Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. All right, entrepreneurship and suicide prevention. Entrepreneurs, take your mental health seriously because your life of your company depends on it. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs solve difficult hiring challenges. And we do this by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, industry experts, and disruptors like our guest today, Miss Sally Spencer Thomas. She's the president of United Suicide Survivors International. Now, Sally is a clinical psychologist, inspirational international speaker, and impact entrepreneur. She has moved her work to suicide prevention after her younger brother, a Denver entrepreneur, died of suicide after a difficult battle with bipolar condition, which is what makes Sally the perfect expert for today's topic. Sally, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. It's awesome to be here, Rick. Thanks so much for addressing this really important conversation today. Oh, absolutely. We're going to discuss a couple different things. We're going to talk about why it's critical to prioritize your mental health. And then we're going to talk about the three components of a strong mental health practice that you can build into your company. Sound like a plan? Sounds great to me. Let's start with an entrepreneurial journey of anybody. And I can talk about my own entrepreneurial journey, which has been a plethora of highs and lows. At times, man, you have these great times which everything's going well and it's perfect. Then you have those down times where you're questioning your purpose, you're questioning your judgment, you're having extreme confidence followed by imposter syndrome. I've gone through all these things in my journey pretty much on a daily basis. (laughs) My saving grace though from my experience has been making that time for myself and having an outlet. Mine has been jujitsu. That's what I do. I go and I train almost every day. And that's the thing that's kept my physical and my mental balance in check. Do you see a similar thing in your work? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think sometimes people forget that mental health is part of overall health and that there are specific things that we need to be doing to get in front of our mental health situations, just like we do our regular exercise and our nutrition and our sleep habits and so on. I remember thinking about looking back to my brother. He was a very successful young entrepreneur by his mid-20s. He had launched a national company and by his early 30s, he was doing incredibly well. But because the stress of all the pressure that was on him leading this national company, he didn't take care of his mental health. And he had an underlying mental health condition, a bipolar condition, and it just went off the rails. And so really, whether or not you actually have a mental health condition, your mental health is a big part of what drives your overall health and making that a priority, just like you do other forms of your health will keep you on track. What are the challenges you're seeing with entrepreneurs today? Oh, there's so many. I consider myself an entrepreneur as well. And even though I had lived through my brother's own challenges with this, I had to live through it myself before I really truly got it. There's a lot of challenges. First of all, we tend to be a little bit like lone rangers and we pride ourselves on our our ability to handle lots of different stresses. We have a very strong work ethic. We can handle all kinds of needs to be agile and all this stuff. And we're great self-reliant people. And that's awesome until the world brings you to your knees. And then all of that strength is actually a liability for us because we're not ones that are usually raising up our hands and saying, I need help. I'm overwhelmed because we feel like everybody has to have confidence in us. Our investors need to have confidence in us. If we have a team around us, they're looking to us to have confidence. So we have what we call this double jeopardy situation where we have a number of risk factors, including many of us living somewhere on the spectrum of bipolar condition, many of us using substances to cope with our stress, many of us having catastrophic losses in the course of our entrepreneurship 
entrepreneurship journey. So a lot of risk factors for suicide and also being least likely to reach out for support. So that perfect storm of risk coming into our world. Entrepreneurs have a greater tendency to be bipolar. Yes, there's been some research coming out of Berkeley and Stanford and so forth, looking at the likelihood of entrepreneurs having some kind of mental health condition and depression and anxiety are in there, but bipolar condition is also in there as well. And I see it, I identify somewhat to that in that I've had an episode of major depression. I've had one and that most people would say I'm an energizer bunny type of personality. I sleep a little less than the average bear and I rev at a really high rate. And that's kind of where we call the upswing of bipolar condition. So yeah, there's many of us that live somewhere in there. And sometimes that swings to really high energy states. And sometimes many of us have experienced depression where we lose that sense of purpose. We lose that sense of connection to our loved ones and the world can look pretty dark. All right. So I'm not alone. So entrepreneur is a mental condition pretty much. Yeah. Why is this important to a company? Why should me as an entrepreneur and me building my company, why should I prioritize this? Well, as entrepreneurs, we are the hearts of our company. We got to invest in ourselves so that we can take our company through all the trials and tribulations through the highs and the lows. So investing in our own mental well-being gives us a fighting chance to do that. Practicing all those things, being really good at our own emotional intelligence, knowing our emotional states, knowing what calms us down, understanding other people's emotional states and how we can navigate through those are all critical assets for your company because we get tested all the time on all of those fronts. I think what you said is key is that it all filters down from you, just like your culture. It stems from you. You are the heart and soul of the organization in every aspect. And that's a lot of responsibility. We model this for the other people that we're working with. So whether it's our team or our partners, when we can model our own mental health, then we attract people where that's also a value. I think a lot of times people get attracted to an entrepreneur's vision and their passion and their excitement about what could be. And they'll ride along on that wave for a period of time. But if they don't feel like they're going to be able to live their best lives while they start to feel drained and taken advantage of and so forth, eventually they'll leave, especially young talent. They're not going to stick around if they don't feel like they can have a whole life for themselves, that they're just a cog in the wheel of profit making for somebody else. So really being able to model a whole person that cares about their emotional well-being will attract other people to your team that will also be able to do that. And so therefore, they'll have more longevity with you. What's important about that is those are all your high performing individuals. They have options. The ones that stick with you sometimes are the people that don't have options that are just there for the paycheck. And if you're building an organization, you're trying to make a dent on your marketplace and really build in a strong organization, you have to prioritize this. That's absolutely right. There's lots of evidence that shows when people feel cared for, they are happier, they're more loyal, they'll help fill a pipeline of other highly qualified applicants, they'll make better decisions, and they make happier customers. So there's a lot of reasons to support overall well-being in your company. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out higherpowerradio.com. There you'll find additional resources and content to help you land great hires. Today, our guest is Sally Spencer Thomas. She is the president of United Suicide Survivors International, and we're discussing entrepreneurship and suicide prevention. We just talked a little bit about why it's important to really have this on your radar as an entrepreneur. Now let's talk about how do we build a mental health practice into your company? Sally, take it away. 
Yeah. So I always like to lead people through this conversation through a parable, right? So imagine you're walking along, there's a beautiful stream, you notice someone's drowning, you don't waste a second, you jump in, you rescue them, you perform CPR, they come back, you're so excited, you just save someone's life. And then you look back and there's tons of people now in the river and you can't save them all. So you start screaming out like, help me, help me, we got a bunch of people drowning in this river and everybody comes a running, but you can't save them all. And a lot of people start floating on by. You get a great idea, like maybe if we swim upstream a little bit and start to teach people how to tread water, that'll help them save themselves. But it turns out it's really hard to learn how to tread water when you're drowning. So you get upstream even more and you jump out of the bank and you start running up there and everybody in the river's like, where the heck you going? We got people drowning in this river. And you say, I'm going to go upstream to figure out who's pushing all these people in. So that's the mindset shift when we're talking about suicide prevention that we really need to have. In the downstream space where people are fighting to stay, we absolutely have to show up with our best game, with resources like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and the Crisis Text line and all kinds of other things that'll be put in the show notes. And we have to do so coming alongside people with compassion and deep dignity and respect because we're all going to take turns in that space. Not one of us gets through this life without being brought to our knees by something overwhelming. But if that's our only focus, just like in the parable, we're never going to get in front of this. We actually need to think more upstream. So if we get upstream just a little bit from that into the midstream range, that's where we're going to try to really help people catch things early, just like we do other health issues like blood pressure checks and cholesterol and other types of health screenings that we do. Same thing around mental health. We need to be really savvy and support one another in doing mental health screens so that we can just check in with ourselves every once in a while. Should I be worried about my drinking? Should I be worried about my sleep, my anxiety? my depression. And just like all other problems in our life, when we catch things small as they're emerging and surround ourselves with resources that are better able to get out of that, the more likely we are to get on the other side. We're talking about three areas that we're focusing on. So we're going to focus on upstream, midstream, and downstream. That's it. Explain what upstream is. That's the prevention piece. That's putting the structure in place to avoid these problems when they come down the road. That's the guy running upstream to figure out who's pushing all the people in. From an upstream perspective on our mental health, we are bolstering our protective factors. And we're trying to minimize the things that will ultimately cause us distress or despair. As a company, what do I need to put in place that covers that upstream? A big part of it is what kind of culture do you have? What kind of culture are you driving? And we work with a number of companies that we're really trying to work with building a caring culture. This is the norm. We look out for one another. It's what we do. We take care of ourselves so that we can better serve our purpose, our mission. It's what we do. How does that get reinforced in what's rewarded and recognized? How decisions are made and so forth. So that's one. Another piece of upstream is really about communication and really promoting positive norms about help seeking and help giving and really factual information about what mental health stuff looks like and where the resources are. But when you get back to building a helping culture, which is great, it's all fantastic, but there's a lot of cultures out there that aren't that. There's a lot of CEOs that are not caring, feel good people. And there's a lot of what my friend Darius calls warrior cultures, where the fact of the matter is everybody is dying doggy dog. And that's just the culture of the company. When that happens, how do you keep those people healthy? Yeah, for me, warrior culture is absolutely a caring culture. Warriors work best when they have each other's back when they're looking out for one another. In a doggy dog culture, you might get some initial bursts of productivity or whatever competition can really spur that. But if there's not this underlying sense of united we and we're in this together, and we're striving together as a team,
team towards something, people can only keep up that dog eat dog lifestyle for a certain period of time. Yeah, before they get burnt out. It's too brutal. You start to get a sabotage. You start to see people stretch way beyond what they should for longer than they should. And eventually we're just human. Eventually it's going to take a toll. If not on our productivity, in our health and in our relationships and in our engagement in a much bigger, broader world than just our work. And eventually people just get tired of watching their backs. You're going to have to do a cultural shift. And as a leader of a company, you're going to have to do a mindset change to where you're really focusing in on keeping your people engaged and happy. It doesn't mean you have to flip flop your personality to something that you're not. You might. But you might. <laughs> you might need to make some steps if you want to keep your people around. And if you want to be performing at your highest level for the long term. What about physical and mental activity? Do you have to put systems in place that promote that within the organization? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a constant work in progress here in our very small Me company. Me too, my about, friend. <laughs> <laughs> about how we do this best because you can get, from the moment you wake up, you can get pulled in 10 different directions right out of the gate. So one of my systems and processes is to really front load as much as I can at the beginning of my day with all the things that I know are really good for my well-being. So I think you do this too. I walk my dog. That gets me outside in the air under the moon because it's usually pretty early with my pet that I love. I either go to a support group meeting through my headset or I do gratitude practice rituals and prayers and intentions and all that kind of stuff. I come back, I journal, I meditate. I do everything I can to invest in my success for that day by starting off with a focus on what's really important to me and getting myself as grounded as possible so I can handle all those things that fly at me through the rest of the day. That's just one example. When you have a team, it's really important to build in practices of gratitude, to build in breaks where people can connect with each other in our virtual world as best we can, to find ways that people can play and have fun and support one another and get to know each other, fostering deeper friendships and bonds. The way I found it works for me is blocking out time on my calendar. That's my time that you can't <laughs> encroach upon. You mentioned meditation. I started meditating about a year ago and actually I do 15 minutes in the middle of the day and it restarts my day. I just started a new practice this week that I'm very excited to share and that is tea time with my husband. I work upstairs and I would just run down, you know, for a five minute bio break and then I'd run back up and he's like, well, what if we do that five minute bio break, but you're actually sitting down with me and having tea and we're just going to check in. We've started that this week and it's been lovely to connect with my partner midday. How's your day going? Here's some nurturing food for you. Okay, back you go. You That's know, very Elizabethan fantastic. of you. <laughs> You're putting the systems and processes in place. That's your upstream. So let's talk about what the midstream is. What do we need to do there that builds this process? Yeah, so midstream is, again, catching problems when they're small or smaller or emerging. One of the things that we really suggest for different companies is a practice of offering self-screenings for mental health. There's actually a couple national ones. There's National Depression Screening Day, which was the first Thursday in October. There's Alcohol Screening Day and Anxiety Screening Day in the spring and so forth. So you can just participate in those as a way, both symbolically and practically, to show that your company cares about mental health issues. Another thing that we do often is training for folks, training on how to have conversations around this, because usually it's the person closest to you or close to you that's most likely going to be the one to reach out and say, hey, you don't seem like yourself lately. I care about you, and I'm just wondering what's going on. And coach people on how to have those conversations effectively. So that's another midstream approach as things are starting to shift. But you 
have to coach the whole organization now. That has to be a practice that you put in place. Because again, as an entrepreneur, I'm not the one who's typically going out saying, hey guys, I'm feeling down today. You can't do that. It's really hard to do to put yourself in that vulnerability spot. It's hard to do, but you absolutely can do it. And I've seen leaders do it that is so effective. So for example, I worked with the chief of the Denver Fire Department and we did this whole wellness in-service campaign thing for their 1500 person department. And we made a video. I said, everybody, as best you can, if you can tell a story about coming through a hard time, it's going to make a huge difference for the culture of this company. And sure enough, the chief and many other leaders that I've coached came forward and he said, yeah, of course, there have been periods in my life where I have felt overwhelmed. He didn't have to give the details. That's all he needed to say. And he said, when I got to that place, I needed to reach out and get perspective and help me break down these problems into sizable chunks. And so I did that. And today I'm a better leader and I'm a better firefighter because of it. something along those lines, those stories, even the smallest tidbits of, yeah, of course, I'm human too. And I have gone into these places and come out better. I have reached out for help and I'm so grateful because I know a lot more about myself and how I operate in the world. I think one of my favorite examples of this is Brad Feld. He's a venture capitalist here in Colorado and Boulder, and he models this so great. In fact, he makes it part of his criteria in investment that his entrepreneurs that he invests in are demonstrating that they take care of their mental health proactively. You have to make it okay and you have to make it common practice. Yeah, and you can model that as the leader. You also have to create a safe environment. I believe in creating an environment where a lot of people want to be and where it's safe, but I just don't see that too often in a lot of companies. And so how do you make that shift? How do you get a CEO who's already ingrained in a certain behavior pattern to shift away from that? Well, I always say read Brene Brown. There's lots of research behind this. It's not just me. There's decades of this stuff that basically shows when you express vulnerability, when you share, I don't have it perfectly, you actually build trust within whoever you're talking to. They trust you more because they see you as human and they're much more likely to be committed to you, to see you as a team with them rather than some autocratic person that feels like they're above everybody else. So mm -hmm. it's a paradox to express weakness. It's not really weakness. It's actually quite a lot of courage to do this work of expressing our human side. And what it does in human relationships is it really forges a deeper bond between people. And as we all know, command and control doesn't work anymore. It just mm -hmm. doesn't. Now let's get to downstream. What process do we need to put in to deal with problems as they do arise? And if you're like, well, that's not for me. I've got it all together. Trust me, we all take our turns, whether it's a divorce or a health or a loss or a trauma, no one's going to get out of this life without having at least one, if not many overwhelming crises. So part of coping with downstream, as I mentioned earlier, is to know where your resources are and go kick the tires of your resources well before you're in the throes of a crisis. And by that, I mean, if you have an employee assistance program, and I hope you all do. Listen, I owned a business that was a nonprofit. We had eight employees and I had the top tier employee assistance program. So if my tiny little nonprofit can do it, I promise you, you can afford the benefit of an employee assistance program. They know how to bundle small companies now in a way that makes it very affordable for small business owners. So get yourself an employee assistance program and get a top tier one. It's not that much money. Promise you. What does an employee assistance program entail? So employee assistance program basically is a benefit to your company where your employees can access mental health services for themselves and usually their family members. And depending on the kind of you get, it could be three sessions, it could be unlimited sessions for all kinds of different things from a stress currently in your life that you're just needing a perspective on to coping with an overwhelming trauma or an addiction, all kinds of things. But not only that, 
really great employee assistance programs. We'll also do outreach and brown bag lunch sessions or provide financial counseling for people, legal advice sometimes. If you have a traumatic incident that happens on your work site, like a robbery or a natural disaster of sorts or some kind of catastrophic thing, they'll come and help your employees through that. They're a tremendous benefit for companies. This is more of a benefit to me than the perks that a lot of companies deploy, like getting free lunch or having a ping pong table. That doesn't help with mental health. Having something like that, because it happens to all of us. We're all going to have to deal with crisis at some point. We've all been dealing with COVID, and that's been a hellish nightmare for a lot of people. I think that this is probably one of the few benefits that you should invest in before you invest in a ping pong table. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to downplay the ping pong table than the lunch, because our food rituals and our play rituals also (laughs) build bonds. And it's a both and. And the fact that sometimes we overlook this really important part of our health and you don't want to be scrambling. You don't want to be scrambling trying to find a good fit of a mental health service provider when you or someone in your company or their family member is on the brink because it's very stressful. And sometimes we only have one chance to link somebody who's really despairing to the proper resource. And we want to know when we face that moment that we have confidence and competence to say, I got you. And I know exactly what we're going to do. And I've already talked to Dr. Mary and she's amazing and I'll go with you or whatever it takes to kind of help that person link up to that next step that's going to help save their lives. You want to have confidence in that moment. You don't want to be scrambling through a Google search to try to figure out what you're going to do. I want to add something to this too, because I noticed we're all doing a lot of Zoom meetings, but you should really be aware of the people that are in your Zoom meetings and what their level of activity is. Is it different than what it normally is? And even somebody who's quiet, if they're even more quiet, then you should make it a point to check in on them and have a conversation, especially now. Yeah. Changes in behavior are usually our first clue that something's not right, especially when people used to be very engaged and productive and enthusiastic and social or whatever. And all of a sudden they're shutting down or they're flying off the handle. That's another one that people sometimes overlook when people's anger gets super short or they are unable to handle small stresses that they used to be able to master. That usually means that there's something else going on in their life. And a gentle check-in, hey, I know you do this for me. If it's flipped, this is what we do for one another. That really helps for people. And they might not disclose on that first approach. Maybe it's the second, maybe it's the 20th. If it's an addiction, maybe it's the 200th. But you never know when that gentle, loving connection, at what point it's going to tip for that person. Well, they'll say, you know what, you're right. I need some help. Um, And you can help guide them there. That is so very true. We're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Okay, number one, if you're the leader of your company, invest in yourself first. The whole oxygen mask thing, get yourself in a place where you have the emotional supports that you need, that you have practices in your day that help get you grounded and best situated and that you know what your mental health crisis plan is should you have a catastrophic thing. And then number two, go out and get yourself a short list. Doesn't need to be a long list, but a short list of highly vetted resources that you know you could turn to if you or someone in your workforce or their family members is hitting a crisis. We talked about the Employee Assistance Program. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is free 24-7. There's a veterans line. There's a Spanish line. It's 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. The crisis text line. You text the word hello to 741-741. Again, hello to 741-741. In both cases, a highly trained crisis call taker will come on the phone and help you walk through a plan. And again, you could be the one calling in crisis or you could be calling on behalf of someone else who's in crisis. Both amazing resources. Yeah, we're going to have all this linked in the show notes. So thank you, by the way, for sharing all those resources with us. Well, we're just about out of time for today's show. Sally, thanks so much 
for your time investment today, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the community can reach you personally to contact you and find out more? Yeah, Rick, it's been such a joy. I'm so grateful again that you've highlighted this really important topic today. People can find me at my website, Sally Spencer Thomas, almost together, no dots, no dashes, sallyspencerthomas.com. I'm also on most of the social media platforms. Twitter and Facebook are my faves, but I'll be on LinkedIn every once in a while, clunking my way through. God, even uh, today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't stomach Facebook right now. Yeah, and I love to connect with people. So yeah, just reach out and love to hear what you're doing in this space. That's fantastic. I also want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. This show's for you. So we're listening and we're trying to upgrade our level of content, obviously, based on today's show. Keep it coming. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D, com, or you can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Scott Sandland. He is the founder and CEO of Sirenoa.ai. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick 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 Rick